Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Good Monday afternoon. Welcome to the start of a new week. Thank you for being with us on Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort studios. Pearl River Resort is the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. You can learn more about them online at pearlriverresort.com. Love to hear from you this afternoon. Ceasefire text line is open 601 879 4395. Protect and connect. That's the new plan from Ceasefire. It gives kids what they want and parents what they need. The ability to keep your children safe. Learn more online at ceasefire.com. Ceasefire customer inspired. Once again today, it is hot. It is not quite as hot as it has been. However, the forecast for the next couple of days in the Magnolia State. Oh, it's just so very good. I have Flowood pulled up right now. The high today in Flowood, Mississippi, is 104. Tomorrow, the high in Flowood is low 90s. Where I am sitting right now in North Mississippi, in Oxford, it is currently 95 degrees If I am to believe Jim Cantori and weather.com, the high tomorrow is 83, and the high on Wednesday is 82, and the low for both of those days is in the low 60s. Boys, we are going to wake up the next couple of days going to be like, hey, it's time for football. Let's play some football. It's time for football. It feels like football. I don't I don't like the 10-day, though, getting back to the 100s after the false fall, but there's still time for it to, you know, but it's absolutely a false fall. Tuesday oh, or no sure it Wednesday morning is going to feel amazing. Like I might walk outside while we have it. in just underwear and, and and like hold a cup of coffee and just stand on my back porch because nobody can see me on my back porch. Uh, tall fences, nobody can see me. Wait, do you not do that on a regular basis? No, I don't. But when the weather's like that, I will. I'm gonna get a coffee, underwear only. What a sight. All of you out there picturing that? Yeah, it's a good sight. Enjoy it. Big gold Adonis. Embrace what you're you're picturing because it's beautiful. And I'm going to sit there with the steam coming off of the coffee and just stand for like 10 minutes in a 65 degree weather. 
Hey, well, Richard's about to uh, about to let us know that he does this all the time. Go ahead, when, Richard. When the temperature at 6 a.m. in the morning is somewhere between about 35 degrees and about 90 degrees, when I'm taking the dogs out, I do basically what Borky is talking about. <laughs> I mean... I just open the door and let those idiots run out there. I don't, I don't stay. I just let them go. They can do whatever. I don't have to watch. Yes, yes. But but like you, I mean, nobody can really see into my backyard and uh, yeah. feel feel pretty safe in doing that. Uh, yeah, it's going to be really nice. It's going to be really, really nice the uh, the next couple of days. Uh, and then it's going to get hot again. And that's okay because it's, it's still August in Mississippi. Wednesday, August 23rd. That's a week from Wednesday. So this Wednesday... The 10-day forecast tells me the high is 82 and the low is 61, and next Wednesday it's a high of 98. So, yeah, okay. Let's just be thankful for what we get, when we get it, period. No strings attached. Hey, Dad's going to enjoy. Hey, Dad may walk twice as far Wednesday morning as he did today because you got up and you got after it and we're sweating big time this morning. It's hot outside, man. It's hot. Humid. Yeah. I say I took Obi to play golf on Saturday. And it was like I don't know, 96, 97, maybe it was 94. The humidity was like 81% and the real feel was 110. Like mm. m- miserable. But that's rough. That time of year. Let's look at some numbers because we have only one more Saturday without some type of college football, and we only have two more Saturdays without all of the college football. Yeah, get your list done this weekend, boys, because uh, it starts next weekend. We have no more numbers with a three in front of them. 12 until week zero. 17 until that first big Thursday. 19 until our teams kick off. That's right, 19 days until our teams kick off on that first Saturday, 24 until Lions-Chiefs to kick off the NFL season, and 27 until the soon-to-be Super Bowl champion New Orleans Saints kick off their season against the Titans in the Dome. Oh, here we go. Here we go. All right, so just quickly, let's see if we can do this. 12 days until we get Vandy-Hawaii. That's right. And Notre Dame-Navy. Navy in Dublin. Navy. And those you get are the Caleb two Williams also, if you really are a sicko and you want to watch them play San Diego or San Jose State, then you can watch the reigning Heisman Trophy winner play as well. If, right. if that does so, anything for you. So so three games that grab your attention enough to at least go there for a little while. Even if you don't sit from opening kick to final horn, you're gonna probably take in some of all three of those games a week from Saturday. Seventeen days until a bunch of games with the headline-grabbing game being Utah and Florida on that first Thursday night. 19 days until Southern Miss opens with Alcorn State, Ole Miss opens with Mercer, and Mississippi State opens with... Help me out, hey, Selah. Southeast Louisiana. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking it was southeastern Louisiana, but for some reason that didn't feel right. I wonder if they have a daiquiri bar at the football stadium, too, like they do baseball, but anyway. If not, they're probably not doing it right. 24 days until that first Sunday that includes the Saints season opener. Although, oh, wait, no, that's that, that's that Thursday night. 
So the Thursday night is, yeah, that's Lions, Chiefs. Chiefs and Lions, I, Chiefs on Thursday night. And, and that's in Detroit, right? So that's going to be a killer atmosphere yes. if it is. Yeah. I thought the reigning Super Bowl champs always open at home. Why is that? I, right? I don't know if they do, but that game, that game is in Detroit, I'm pretty sure. Okay. I mean, I'll take your word for it. And uh, then that first full um, first full Sunday. Oh, no, no, it's season. Arrowhead. Yeah, it's a shame. It's Arrowhead. It is? Okay. I thought it was in Detroit, oh, too. No, like, Arrowhead's not a good atmosphere when you've got the reigning Super Bowl champs and Patrick Mahomes at their place. No, I, for some reason, I have like gravitated towards the Lions. I love Dan Campbell. He was on Pardon My Take, uh, I guess, last week. He is just... State fans would love him, especially. He is the most football guy, football guy that's ever existed. They asked him just because they knew the response that, that he would give them is, what does football mean to you? Dude starts crying. I mean, he's, a, oh, the opportunities that it's given all of us. And he's just this big macho, like, football guy, played in the NFL, has coached in the NFL forever. He, he doubled, like, he, he puts a dip in both sides of his mouth when he's coaching. Like, he is football guy, and he's tearing up talking about how much he loves the game. He is awesome and the team is like scrappy and uh, for some reason I, I the lions are like a team that i'm gonna root for when the saints aren't on okay i got no issue with that no issue with that uh we're getting some um car thermometer images sent to us on the ceasefire text line uh jeff and Pontotoc. oh i'm sorry that's not right it's rob and amory 115 showing currently on his uh on the screen in his vehicle <laughs> Uh, we get another message that says false fall is coming. Hmm. Uh, somebody leaving Starkville right now with 113 showing on the uh, the dashboard. David in South Mississippi. That's not what that's not what they said about Starkville, by the way. That's yeah, but I don't out. just take shots at Starkville for no reason. No, you should. I appreciate that. Um. Let's see. The um, David not not going to be as warm on the coast on Tuesday and Wednesday. Tuesday going to be one hundred two on the coast. Wednesday going to be ninety six. But you get the beach. Oh. Nah, that's still hot. Uh, why in the name of all that is holy would y'all acknowledge cooler weather? You just jinxed us. Oh, we're getting it. It it's the the cooler weather is coming for two days, and then it's going to get back into the one hundreds. But it's coming for two days. My issue is somebody on the text line points out all my everything in my yard's dying, and and I I have an irrigation system but it doesn't work. I mean it's it's decades old, and it usually rains so much here. I don't I, I've never felt the need to even consider getting one, and and so like all of my bushes and stuff, my grass I haven't had to cut my grass in three weeks. It's just, it's just not growing. That's what I'm concerned. I hope I don't right, lose so everything. So that that's the craziness in the state in which we live. I think it rained at least at one point every single day last week in oh, North man. Mississippi. I would kill for that right now. Like I, I turned I turned the irrigation system off in the yard completely because I was watering and it was raining and it was like soggy. Probably need to flip it back on at this point, but that's kind of kind of where we are. So um, a couple of references to a banana hammock because why not? <laughs> Uh, let's see, what is Thanks. it? Scott's, Scott's dashboard says 106. Gibbon Greenwood says it's only a brisk 100 in Tuscaloosa right now. We get, another, we get another 115 reading in Memphis. 
All right. Off and running, Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort studio on this Monday afternoon. Mississippi. Here's more. Super Talk. Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi back with you on this Monday afternoon. There's a story that popped up uh, all about four hours ago, so a little bit before lunchtime today, that certainly has grabbed the attention of a lot of people. If you go to the front page of ESPN.com, you see Ole Miss logos featured prominently. Uh, Now, this is actually not a story that is about Ole Miss. Ole Miss is a, a player in this story, but this story is not about Ole Miss. The headline is Blindside Subject or Alleges Tui's Made Millions Off Lie. That's when you open the story. On the front page of ESPN, it says Blindside Subject or Alleges Adoption was Lie. Michael Fletcher writes the story at ESPN. He says retired NFL store Michael Orr, whose supposed adoption out of grinding poverty by a wealthy white family, was immortalized in the 2009 movie The Blindside, Petitioned a Tennessee court Monday with allegations that a central element of the story was a lie concocted by the family to enrich itself at his expense. The 14-page petition filed in Shelby County, Tennessee probate court alleges that Sean and Leanne Tui, who took Orr into their home as a high school student, never adopted him. Instead, less than three months after Orr turned 18 in 2004, The petition says the couple tricked him into signing a document making them his conservators, which gave them legal authority to make business deals in his name. I'm certainly not going to read you the entire story. You can do that on your own. There is a quote from the legal filing that I will read to you, though, here. The lie of Michael's adoption is one upon which co-conservators Leanne Tui and Sean Tui have enriched themselves at the expense of their ward, the undersigned Michael Orr. Michael Orr discovered this lie to his chagrin and embarrassment in February of 2023 when he learned that the conservatorship to which he consented on the basis that doing so would make him a member of the Tui family in fact provided him no familial relationship with the Tuis. Uh, the Tui family did not respond. I immediately returned phone calls Monday to numbers listed for them. Their attorney, Steve Faris, declined comment to ESPN on Monday saying that the family would file a legal response to the allegations in the coming weeks. So again, there is a lot there. There's a lot to unpack. I feel like most people know the story of the blind side, either have read the book by Michael Lewis, have seen the movie that starred Sandra Bullock and Tim McGraw, both. Hey, Dad, you're shaking your head, neither. If you haven't seen it, you're one of the few that hasn't. That is a widely... I mean, it it did $300 million at the box office. It was a hit by any measurement. Um, Great story. Yeah. And Michael Orr is alleging that it it is a story. And that that there is some, uh, well, he calls it a lie. 
So, what do we do with this? I mean, we can we can we can talk about the story itself. Um, I guess there's a reason that there's a legal system that exists. I, I talked with some people who know all of the parties involved to to some degree, not necessarily close with any of them. I said, so do you believe all of the story, some of the story, none of the story? Talking about the the ESPN story. And said, and and the response that I got was some of it. And that's probably where I fall in this, knowing how lawsuits work. Like Generally speaking, attorneys are going to put everything they possibly can in a suit, and then it gets sorted out in the course of law, or in the court of law, over time. My guess is that the Tuies, with a very capable attorney in Steve Ferris, are going to deny these allegations. But there's a lot there, and and... Maybe the most damning part of it is the allegation that the Tuies and their two biological children received a flat payment and ongoing royalties from the blind side, the movie, and that Michael Orr did not receive any compensation for the theatrical telling of his story. And he alleges that one of the things that has really bothered him and he thinks affected the way that coaches and general managers in the NFL looked at him is that he was portrayed in the movie as being dumb. I'm paraphrasing there, but that's kind of how he was portrayed in the movie. And that it did not take into account the fact that he actually was a capable student and allow his play on the field to be the narrative that drove contracts and signings and opportunity. The other side of this story, I think, is that the Tuies weren't all bad in this situation either. They did a lot of good for Michael Orr. And Michael Orr probably doesn't have the success in life and the career that he had in college and in the NFL without some of the assistance that came from them. I'm not saying that makes either side right or wrong. Just saying that there's some layers to this. Hey, Dad, I see you there with a smirk on your face. I, like, like you, you want to say something? You want to giggle? Uh, I mean... Oh, I, I've been giggling all morning. All day long. Okay. Anybody who thought there was an ounce of truth in this story ever, come on. Come on. First off, you say like this kid wouldn't have had or wouldn't have the same. He's a five-star offensive tackle. Somebody's going to find him. Somebody would have found him. Saban would have found him. He was going to get found. And the idea that was presented that they didn't know he was this great football player before they took him in was always BS. And everybody knew it. And then they made a whole movie, which is more fictional than Star Wars about how they were just doing it out of the kindness of their heart. Come on. Come on, man. Here, here's, well, by the way, I'm going I'm, I'm to give everybody a rule to live by here. If you're ever like looking at a situation, you're like, you know, it seems like a good thing. It really does seem like a good thing, but I don't know. It also seems like it could be a little sketchy. I don't know what to think. If Hugh Freeze is involved, it's sketchy. 
Just just take that to the bank. It's sketchy. There was no, I have been but, but preaching the gospel. Would, here's where I would push back. Here, here's where I would push back on what you said. Wait, wait, okay. the, the first thing okay. you said, like, if you believe that there was an ounce, and I'm paraphrasing what you said, so forgive me if I don't get it verbatim, but basically That's you fine. said, if you believe that there was an ounce of truth in this, then you're crazy. That's a mischaracterization, yeah. because it, it's not completely made up. It, it, it's not. They did take him the into idea their that home. They, they did provide him with things and stability that he, that he didn't have previously. They did provide yeah. him with a tutor so that he could become academically eligible to be able to get into college. And and they stood by him throughout his college and NFL career. Now, what the motivation was for any him. of that? Well, maybe, yeah, okay. What the motivation was for that is absolutely up for debate. But to say that the whole yeah. thing is fictional... Or the whole thing is a lie. But the that's whole the whole story at of at best that's we've been, we we, ad, we adopted him out of the kindness of our heart. We didn't care that he was a, a, a an elite football player. That's not true, and it never was at any point. And I've been saying that since day one. This this is a day for a lot of people who have, have preached the gospel of the blind side is a farce. This is a good day for us. Because I've been saying that for years. I have family members like, oh, I love The Blind Side. What a great movie. And I'm just like, sit down. Let's let's talk about what The Blind Side is. Because it's a farce. Why can more than one thing not be true, though? Well, why, why can somebody's I, intentions not be at least partially misguided while also doing good? Well, then that's just, I mean... You don't get credit for that. If you do an evil act, I'm not saying it's an evil act, but if you do an evil act and something good comes out of it, you don't get credit for the good thing. Okay. Yeah. I'm, you know, I recall Sean Tui going on the air and calling a Mississippi State basketball player a thug on the air. So I have trouble buying him in, buying into him as this idea of, uh, you know, kind-hearted savior of, of people. Yeah. I think there's a lot here. Oh, it's um, I mean, there is a lot here. And again, if you haven't read the story, I would encourage you to go to ESPN.com and, and read it and see for yourself. I, I'm, I'm not going to read the entire story on the air. I think that's really bad radio. So no, it's, it's, I'm giving it's a, you 2,000 words, too, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm giving you a, a bit of a, a homework assignment. You've got reactions to this on uh, the C Spire text line, and we will look at those when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Be right back. Broadcasting of the disturbed continues. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. Hello, hello. Is 
Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. We'll get to your messages on the C Spire text line at 601-879-4395 in just a second. I have a thought and a question that aren't really related. First of all, the thought. This is as it relates to the the blind side, the twoies, Michael Orr, all being in the news today. I think there's a part of this that stinks. Regardless of what Sean and Leanne Tui did or didn't do as it pertains to Michael Orr and the conservatorship versus the adoption, I mean, look, if they told him that he was adopted and he wasn't actually adopted, that's gross. Like, that's just gross. I don't know what they said to him. He certainly claims that he did not know that he was not adopted, that it was only a conservatorship until... What was it, February of 2023? And conservatorships are really bad, man. I, I mean, I, I learned a lot about them during the Britney Spears deal, of all things. Mm. Um, Britney yeah. Spears into the story. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I mean, a, a, as presented, they shouldn't be legal. Yeah. Here, Here's what I was going to say. There, there's a part to this story that I think really stinks. So... You kind of know my kids' names because I talk about them on the radio, but nobody really knows my kids. Like, like they're not public fodder. But because of the story and the publicness of this, there are a lot of people that feel like they know S.J. Tui and Collins. I don't know. I, I don't know Collins Tui at all. I don't know S.J. well, but I've had some interaction with him. But I've kind of watched his career, and I know some people well that he has worked with and worked for. It stinks that the kids, SJ and Collins, have kind of gotten roped into this. I don't know if it has any effect on their lives going forward. SJ, too, he has worked his butt off in college athletics and has continued to, to rise and climb the ladder. I hope for his sake that this doesn't put a damper on what he's doing from a work standpoint. I doubt it will. I hope not. I hope not, because he doesn't deserve that. He he didn't do anything. I mean, whatever happened here, it wasn't S.J. and Collins' fault. They they were living in the house, but it's not like they were signing legal documents. Yeah, uh, no child should be held responsible for the sins of their parents. Ask me how I know that. Um, So so that's number one. Here's my question, though. Michael Lewis is one of the most gifted – authors of our generation in taking seemingly true events and dramatizing them but sticking to the actual story and telling a story. He has written books including Liar's Poker, which is tied to blackjack, counting cards. He wrote Moneyball which is also turned into a movie referenced at, in every also, single sport. Which is also chock full of fiction. Sure it is. Sure it is. Hey, he takes some liberties. He wrote The Big Short, which is a Wall Street book. He's written Flash Boys, another Wall Street novel, um, The Undoing Project, uh, and, and others. He's a really, really good writer. How does he write 
the book, The Blind Side, given how good of a researcher he is without coming across this information somewhere. Michael Katz at the Clarion Ledger tweeted um, a few minutes ago that he had gathered the relevant documents for this story, um, that the conservatorship stuff filed from this lawsuit was accurate, and he found the conservatorship documents that were found back in 2004. So, I mean, there you go. It's not that anybody owes any explanation to me, but I am really curious to hear how that's defended. Because, like I said before, conservatorships are, man, they they are, um, there's an argument to be made that they should not be legal. They they are, they're bad, man. Especially when it's it's a a functional, incapable young man who was becoming an adult. Of which Michael Orr was at the time and has continued to be. He he doesn't have, uh, to our knowledge, any medically documented mental issues that does not no. allow him to make decisions for himself. No. That, that's, ooh, at, at best, that is a very bad look. Yeah. One, one thing to consider, by the way, and I've never read The Blind Side, but I know enough about it, is the, the Orr part of it is just part of the book. The rest of it is about... The evolution of the left tackle position, correct, and how that's become the most important position in football outside of quarterback. And I think it talks a lot about. I guess at the time would have been like Jonathan Ogden and maybe maybe Tony Baselli. I'm I'm not 100 percent sure, but I know that that's like the movie is based on Michael Ower and his story. The book is is more of a football book, and then the Ower story is in there. Yeah, that's true. Hey, by the way, I need to correct something I said. Liars Poker was not a blackjack book. Liars Poker was an early Wall Street book that Michael Lewis wrote. I was thinking about Bringing Down the House, which is the book that Ben Meserich wrote, which was the basis of the movie 21, which was the MIT students that went and were gaming. The MIT Blackjack team. Yeah, yeah, the MIT Blackjack Vegas counting cards story. Sorry, forgive me for confusing those. Thank you, Mike, for uh, for pointing that out. Um. All right. So let's get to some of your messages on the ceasefire text line. Uh, Pat says the kids have been and are still living off those royalties, though. Well, okay. I don't know. Yeah, not disputing that. I mean, apparently contractually they were written in to receive royalties for a movie of which their name and likeness was part and they received. The problem is it appears that Michael Orr wasn't receiving royalties when he was the central character of the movie. Um, let's see here. Evidently, Orr lived a good life with the Tuies and talked glowingly about them until very recently. Well, the, the suit alleges that he didn't find out and uh, about the conservatorship until very recently. Right. Yeah. That, that, if, it, if my dad had something like that over me and I just found out, everything I thought and think about my father it would, would change. change. Yeah. Um, if it wasn't for the two, he's taking him into their home and giving him all the opportunities to succeed. Who knows where he would be, regardless of their motivation? And you claiming the whole thing is a farce just shows your lack of intelligence. I think that's directed at you, Hey Dad. Oh well. Um, I didn't believe Michael, this silly story for twenty years, so maybe yeah. I'm not the dumb one. Is Michael or hard up for money, or did the two he's uh, lie? or treat him wrong in some way, evidently, or lived a good life with the Tuohys and talked... Okay, sorry, I didn't get the second part of that message from Darren. Or the first part of the message. 
Um, you guys are both correct. I live in the Memphis area, so I hear things and know a little bit. Um, I'm not going to read the rest of that. that like, but like you some, said before. There's some stuff that I want to just stay. I don't want to cast aspersions at anybody, e- even through your messages. I just I think that's a gray area for us to be in and probably not the best spot to, to read on the air. Uh, were all the recruiting visits in the movie true, Dwayne and Brandon? As far as I know. Well, yeah. I mean, he, he was recruited I mean, by Tennessee and Alabama and Georgia and South Carolina and Ole Miss and Mississippi State and LSU and Arkansas and everybody. All of them, yeah. yeah. He's a five-star offensive tackle coming out of Memphis. They don't grow on trees. Everybody in the SEC recruited him. Uh, Johnny and Wheeler says, so the NCAA was right in the movie. Hmm. What did the NCAA do? They were, okay, I'm trying to remember. Wasn't it an academic eligibility issue for the NCAA? I I, I think that was the biggest role that the NCAA played in this. And they may have been investigating there were improper benefits for a recruitable athlete. I, I don't remember all of the details of that. Forgive me. What a loser co-host you have. Hey, Dad, clearly that's talking to me. <laughs> I don't think that. I don't think so. Who's the loser? There's three of us. Um, it's got to be. I'm sure it's me. My, my son's school uh, assessment hit the bank account. I'm a loser today. <laughs> I'm a big loser today, my friends. <laughs> Adam in Monticello says, all I'll say about that situation, follow the paper trail. Yes, my guess is that uh, that's what attorneys are uh, going to do, or at least attempt to do. Uh, Don't forget they somehow got him in an elite private school. Actually, it was somebody else that got him into the private school. He he was already attending Briarcrest, right? Gosh, it's been so long since I've read the book or watched the movie. I think he was already attending Briarcrest when yes. they discovered his yep. situation. Uh, according to Wikipedia, anyway. You know how reliable that is, but still. Got me through college. Sorry, old Miss. My degree was fueled by Wikipedia. Apparently Michael Orr is signing books at Offsquare, uh, book, Offsquare Books tomorrow. It's big. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams with live reports from the games and practices on Super Talk Mississippi. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. We got a bunch to get to this afternoon, uh, including scrimmages in Starkville and Oxford and Hattiesburg over the course of the weekend. Got some uh, some audio for you 
chance to uh, hear from Pete Golding, who met with the media for, I think, the only time he will until this season comes to a close on Friday. Some of what Pete Golding had to say to the uh, media was there. And also Mississippi State's new offensive coordinator, Kevin Barbet, talked with uh, the media on, was that on Friday also, hey, Dad? It was on Saturday. Okay, it was on Saturday. Following the scrimmage? Before. Before the scrimmage on Saturday. Okay. Because he gets asked about what you're looking to see tonight. And, uh, I got you. But, yep. uh, it, you know, with all due respect to Lane Kiffin, I'm sure, honestly, his coordinators appreciate not having to do media, just like I'm sure he appreciated not having to do it when he was at Alabama. It is a mistake to not put Pete Golding on a podium behind a microphone more often. I mean, we can't play the whole thing because it's 17 minutes, and we don't have 17 minutes a show to play the whole thing. He's sharp, man. He's really sharp, and uh, it's just a shame we won't get to hear that but once a year. I get it, but I, I don't, as, as a consumer of this stuff, I want to hear more Pete Golding. Yeah, it's just a saving thing that, that Kiffin has brought with him. And, you know, that way the message, there's, there, there's, that way there's no chance for mixed messages. There's no chance for, you know, my voice, it, it's the same in the locker room. My voice is the one you're going to hear. I'm the head coach. So, I mean, I get it. I do agree with you, though. I mean, I would, you know, you state does it, you know, you, you and and Leach did it too. It's not an Arnett thing. We talked to Arnett plenty. You know, there wasn't an offensive coordinator last year, but we talked to Arnett when you could talk to him whenever you wanted to. Yeah, and we'll get a lot of Barbet, who's also very sharp, by the way. Don't don't think Barbet's I left good. him out. It, it, it's six and, and a half Brock. minutes or so, and he's really good. I'll read a couple more messages on the uh, ceasefire text line before we put to bed the uh, at least for now the the Michael Orr. Tui story that has uh, very much taken center stage today. Brian Tuplo says, I've always felt this is a, quote, truth is in the middle, close quote, situation, but some of these Ole Miss fans are trying hard to live up to the stereotypes we give them a hard time about today. That's from Brian Tuplo. Uh, somebody says, watch the movie, hey, Dad. Okay. Nah. Uh, did the Tuis take in any other underprivileged kids, or was their goodness reserved for five-star offensive linemen? People are, you know, pulling out the darts to throw them today. Uh, If deception is proven to be true, then Michael may be entitled to compensation. That's what he's seeking. That's what he's going for. Yeah. I don't know if you heard right before we went to the break or not, but somebody sent us a link to a a book signing tomorrow in Oxford for Michael Orr and his new book that is out. That's going to be very interesting. Yeah. And the timing is pretty interesting, too, if we're being honest. You generate publicity. Maybe you, maybe, maybe you swing by, see, give him your card, see if he wants to be on the show tomorrow. Um, why didn't the Tuies adopt one of Michael's other nine siblings who were in the same situation? He had ten siblings, actually. I think he was one of eleven. I, I don't know the answer to that. And and the smart answer would be, oh, you know the answer to that, Richard. No, I really don't. I I I can't imagine what it is like to take another child into your home. I mean, I guess I can imagine it, but um, on the surface, it looks like there's a lot of bad in this story. Like, I'm not trying to pull any punches on that. It looks like there's some deception and some resources that probably should have been allocated in a different way. Like, Michael Orr should have 
if indeed he did not benefit and the rest of the family did from the making of the blind side, then that's wrong. Like, there's no other way to say it that is wrong. But, yeah. and hey, Dad said, you know, you don't get credit for the good if there's bad involved. I'm not sure I agree with that completely. There, There is some good. There is some good here, too. I, I just, I believe that. Uh, John in Corinth uh, points to the fact that, uh, we actually had a couple of messages that pointed to the fact that Hugh Freeze is not where he is today if not for Michael Orr. It's probably true. He was hired onto Ed Ogeron's staff following Michael Orr committing to Ole Miss. That got him into the college game. Became a position coach, went to, was it Lambeth or Belmont? No, it wasn't Belmont. Lambeth. It was, it was Lambeth in Jackson, Tennessee. Who doesn't play football anymore, I don't think. They don't anymore. And then came back to the SEC and worked his way up, and I mean, he got a chance. And it's, has made the most of that opportunity. But you're right. I mean, if, if we're saying butterfly effect or dominoes falling or whatever, that first domino doesn't fall. I don't know that Hugh Freeze is the head coach at Auburn today. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV, 4 o'clock hour. Coming up next, we will turn our attention to winners and losers and then football. Come on, Supertalk Mississippi. Check this out. Are you ready? Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi. Coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios, Pearl River Resort, home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, two 18-hole championship courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas. You can book your tee time online at dancingrabbitgolf.com. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, love to hear from you on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Whether you're looking for the best in wireless the best in business IT services or the best in home internet with fiber to the home, Cspire has you covered. Cspire.com, Cspire, customer inspired. Just after four o'clock on a Monday, it's time for winners and losers. All I, all I, all I do is What'd you like from the weekend? What did you not like from the weekend? Some of you have already started sending us your winners. Probably going to steal one from Michael Borky here. Uh, although he can go deeper if he wants. Yesterday was tournament number one of the FedEx Cup playoffs. This weekend was. Uh, final round yesterday in Memphis. Had an hour and a half weather delay. Though I don't think it ever dripped a drop from the sky. Apparently there was the threat of inclement weather and maybe some uh, lightning within the bubble, whatever the bubble is that they have to uh, to abide by. Um, so a little bit later finished than they expected. The leaderboard, though, yesterday, 
was about as good as you could ask for in the first playoff event. Borky, is it, were you headed this direction for your winner? Uh, it would have been my second one. I didn't want to golf up the, the show again, but Greenville, South Carolina stand-up, Lucas Glover is the man. Also, he needs to wear some dry-fit clothes, but still, he's the man. <laughs> so He yeah, had to be was... caked in gold bond by the end of the day. <laughs> my goodness. Man, I was, I was thinking... The one thing I was uncomfortable just looking at it. Yeah, the one thing that Liv unequivocally got right was letting guys wear shorts when they play golf. I mean, come on. I'm not saying when it's 65 or 70 degrees you ought to be able to wear shorts, but when it's when it's a hundy. Yeah. There, there's a guy on ESPN who definitely agrees with you. Dan Mullen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> point, in, point in all this, the leaderboard was really good. Lucas Glover won it. Patrick Cantlay lost in a playoff. Rory and Tommy Fleetwood finished tied for third at 14-under. Taylor Moore, cool story, young player. He was 12-under. Made a birdie on 18 to uh, to get to solo fifth place and win $800,000. Sung J.M. was in the top ten. So was Jordan Spieth. So was Max Homa. Colin Morikawa and Saif Tagala both right outside the, the top ten. It was a really good leaderboard and a pretty entertaining tournament. And after some low scores in round one, TPC Southwind, when uh, when that course was not quite as soft, got a little bit of its bite back. And what a great finishing stretch on 17 and 18. So um, FedEx St. Jude Classic, St. Jude's a winner always. Such a cool deal to have the kids meet the players and kind of wait for them on 18 as uh, like honorary pin holders. Uh, while the groups are on the uh, the 18th seed, just a lot of cool that comes out of that event and a great leaderboard to start the playoff. So that's my first winner. Uh, hey, Dad, what's your first winner? I will stay with golf. Well, okay then. Let's go to the women's side of things, though. Uh, she led for two days of the uh, the Women's British Open, but Allie Ewing fins up with, finishes up with a tie for six. Still an outstanding performance by the yeah. former Mississippi State Bulldog. Uh, was in was in amongst the leaders all weekend, and almost you know I don't know if you you call it a breakthrough performance because she didn't win, but definitely very surprising to see her name that high on the leaderboard all weekend. So great for her, uh, for Allie Ewing, a, a great Mississippian. She was um, man, she was cruising through two rounds, ten under par, five shots clear of the field going into the third round. Had a couple of tough days on uh, on Saturday and Sunday, couldn't hang on. But, uh, yeah, top ten finish in a major championship, that's good stuff. That is something that you certainly can build on. And, uh, you know, if you're looking for experience, that's pretty good experience, right, to uh, to be in the final group on Saturday and try and kind of figure out how to protect the lead in a major championship. That's uh, that's good stuff. Borky, give me a winner, please. Uh, the New Orleans Saints, because they're winning the Super Bowl. But, no, in all seriousness, you were going to get the starters – Basically, for for one series, about half a quarter in the preseason. And, what a series it was! And though. it 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 went as perfect as it could have possibly gone. I mean, Carr was six of eight. One of those two was a drop from Olave. The second one was a, a fade to the end zone where you could have gotten holding, but it, it doesn't matter. He, he looked in complete control and command of the offense. Uh, they were good up front. And that's been a question mark. Michael Thomas got a big pass over the middle. Uh, red zone is something that Carr has struggled with in the past. And, and the touchdown pass to Keith Kirkwood was like the last read of that play. 
and Carr looked comfortable in it, and then the starters got Patrick Mahomes off the field on defense uh, rather quickly. We're not going to see them again until the season begins, but for an audition to get people to buy in, it went as well as it possibly could have gone for the Saints. Carr looked great and comfortable and in control. Defense looked good. The new defensive tackles looked good. Brzee looked good. He got some pressure. Like, the audition was beautiful. We'll see what happens during the actual season. But there are other teams in the NFL whose starters did not look like that in their one chance to see them before the season begins. Kind of everything you could have asked. Yeah. I mean, I know it's a series, but uh, if if you wanted good from Derek Carr, if you wanted promise from Derek Carr, you got it in preseason game number one. I got another winner for you. Uh, do you remember us talking a couple of weeks ago about Zach Martin, the best offensive yeah. lineman on the Dallas Cowboys team? And he held out. And Jerry Jones said he's been paid well at every step of the way. It's not his turn. We're, we're not, we're not going to do it. Not, not going to do it. Guess what? They did it. Zach Martin held out. He, uh, he got to miss a couple of weeks of training camp. He is now on his way to Oxnard, California. The All-Pro Guard reached an agreement on a reworked contract that will pay him north of $18 million in each of the next two seasons. He was scheduled to make 13 and a half this year and 14 next year, so that's $27.5 million. Instead, he's going to make $36.5 million, or $36 million. And so a net gain of, what is that, about $9 million? For Zach Martin, that is um, yeah, that, that's good, good money. stuff. Congratulations. It was the right decision. Zach Martin knew that he had leverage or believed that he had leverage. He played to that, and uh, he was more than happy to go on social media and tweet back to work earlier today. Yeah. So good, uh, good for Zach Martin. Worked out well for him. Any other winners? I know you all like to joke to me about it, but... It was great to have the Premier League back this weekend. Very enjoyable. Premier League. The Premier League. A uh, lot of fun. Your gunner, your cannons, got a win on Saturday morning. I don't know if you were up at, at 6.30 a.m. You might have been up at 6.30 a.m. But you, you weren't watching that. But very enjoyable weekend. My beloved Blues. Get a draw with Liverpool. I'll take that. They've added the two huge targets Maroons. today in the transformer. No, City was wearing maroon and white the other day. I'm not a City fan. Oh, uh, okay, that's right. Chelsea, Chelsea are the Blues. So, City are the What's Citizens. What's their alternate color? If we're going Chartreuse. I don't know yet. I don't know what it is yet. I haven't. I haven't seen the second kit. They haven't played. I'll find out this weekend. I guess they play on the road. Second kit. Some people on the call road. It uniform, it's in the same. Whatever works for you. It's in the same. It's in the same city. It's not really on the road. Who are they playing next? West Ham. Ah, there you go. Borky, any other winners? No, you took mine. Greenville, Sorry. South Carolina, stand up. Yeah, he's the man. But again, uh, and drive Bucky, it you, took, you took my other one. I had the Saints. I had uh, the Saints. I will say, though, when people are making fun of Lucas, it's like he's in Memphis, Tennessee in August, man. He's got to sweat. <laughs> it just somebody needs to get him, you know, a, a different pair of pants, and, and whatever he wears underneath his pants need to, needs to be a little bit different. But we've all been there. It, the cameramen didn't do them any favors, by the way. It's almost like they were trying to highlight the fact that this man's lower half is sweating in a way that men don't sweat. <laughs> like, there's something off here, and they just wanted like full screen. Here's Lucas Glover's legs and you know his butt and stuff. Here it is, sweating like crazy, front and center on your TV. Why not? 
Somebody in the hey, truck should have You would said, know no. this. Did Reese Davis go to Georgia or to go to Alabama? Alabama. Okay, okay. I was looking at the, they got this, the graphic of everybody's AP poll out, which just came out a few hours ago. And he has Michigan 1 and Georgia 2. And I was like, didn't he go to Georgia? What's he doing? But okay, if he went to Alabama, I get it. Yeah. Maybe he believes that's how it's going to work, though. Where does he have it? Let me, I think I find it. Where does he have Alabama? Alabama, not in the top two for like the first time in a few years. We will uh, we will get to some of your winners and losers on the ceasefire text line on the other side of this timeout. We've uh, I guess got to take a look at some losers as well. Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. We'll be right back. <laughs> Are we going to do this? Back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk, Mississippi. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, going through some winners and losers from the weekend. 601-879-4395. You can send us yours on the ceasefire text line. Uh, I don't know that I'm feeling like piling on anybody in the, the losers category. Do you, do you guys have a loser that we should uh, we should get to? Russell Wilson. We already covered mine. Yeah. Uh, the, the two NFL ones. I mean, there's a lot from the weekend, honestly, but uh, Russell Wilson... It's a preseason game. First game with his new coach and all that. He looks exactly like he did a year ago, and that's not a good thing. Playing your starting quarterback into the second quarter because he's so bad, you have to do anything to get him some confidence so he can throw a touchdown pass against the twos and threes in a preseason game? Not good. What happened to Russell Wilson? Rookies looked better than him in a preseason game. And Sean Payton's supposed to be the quarterback whisperer He's he's talking too loudly, I guess, because Russell Wilson we, awful. You know, when L, the LSU after that after they won the national title, we were all like, "Oh, without Joe Brady, it's going to be a problem." And then we find, come to find out, it was actually Burrow. Are we going to find out the same thing here? It's actually Breeze. Wasn't Sean Payton the whole time? I love Sean Payton, but I, I would laugh if that was the case. Thanks for the draft pick. Thanks for the draft pick. <laughs> um, and then the Panthers' offensive line. Bryce Young's not playing 17 games this year. Nope, no shot, zero percent chance. No, it's not happening. Woo. And Corral, I felt so bad for Young and Corral watching those highlights. I was like, they had no chance, man. Yeah, horrible. It's like if you're Matt Corral, you're like, please trade me. Like, let me just start over with somebody else that has a competent line so that I can show what perhaps I'm capable of. Uh, ceasefire text line, some winners and some losers. Loser, Nick Saban, finally Alabama, not in the top two in the AP poll. Um, yeah. Several of you have said that Wander Franco <laughs> is either a loser or is looking to be a loser. 
Innocent until yeah. proven guilty, J.D. and Jackson says. Not great. Well, you remember that episode of The Office where uh, they go to pitch at the high school and, like, that's my girlfriend. No, the one who works at the frozen yogurt stand. That's a weird deal, though. Eek! Because, because yeah. it's, that's, that's a weird deal. Because, like, other players follow her on social media and stuff, and, like, I mean, there's pictures of her consuming alcohol and stuff. It's a weird, weird deal. Yeah. Weird. And that doesn't that doesn't mean yeah. you're that's you know I mean I consumed alcohol before I was of age it, it happened so it doesn't mean anything but it's weird. Uh, Dwayne and Brandon says winter. It's just preseason football, but it is football. We're with you, Dwayne. Um, let's see your winner, Wilson Fur, Mississippi native, had his best finish at the Corn Ferry Tour with a tie for twentieth. That's from Jamie and Jackson. Thanks, Jamie. Uh, another winner, Johnny McComb, says Chad Kelly. If you have not followed this season for Chad Kelly in the Canadian Football League, he has torn it up and is going to be paid pretty handsomely. He he signed a heavily incentive-laden contract and is hitting incentive after incentive after incentive. Now, is he going to be compensated like an NFL player? No, he's not. But for CFL players, going to make a lot of money this year. My question is, is what he's doing in the CFL catching the eye of anybody in the NFL? Or is Chad Kelly simply going to be a really good Canadian Football League quarterback and make a nice living for a few more years, and that's how his story will end? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, winner? Atlanta Braves, playing good really baseball. good team, really good yeah. team. Uh, winner, Oliver Anthony, Rich Men North of Richmond. It's the name of the song. I keep hearing about this. What is this? Oliver Anthony is a Virginia farmer who plays the dobro like it's a guitar. He does not lay it across his knees. What? The Dobro. I don't know what a Dobro is. Keep keep continue to look to educate. You're you're familiar with um Leonard Skinner, right? Yeah. You ever heard the song The Ballad of Curtis Lowe? Yeah. Said uh, there's a line in there said uh uh used to play an old Dobro, used to play across his knees. I'd give old Kurt mm-hmm. a, my money and he'd play all day for me. So yeah, a Dobro is a guitar that's got I mean, it looks like a guitar, but you lay it across your lap and you play it. He plays a dobro like it is a guitar, kind of high-armed. And is a singer that some would compare, though be careful making comparisons to like a Tyler Childers or a Sturgill Simpson. It's not the same voice as either of those guys, but it's kind of in the same genre. He has written a, let's call it a Red Meat Republican song. Okay. And he's gone from playing at a farmer's market for about 20 people earlier this summer to this song going completely viral. And he showed up to play the same farmer's market this weekend, and there were thousands of people there. Um, It has absolutely gone all over the place. 
It's a pretty good song. There's one line in there where people are kind of pushing back that he, he decided to punch down as opposed to just kind of sticking with the, the spirit of the song. Um, he makes reference to, um, uh, he kind of takes a shot at the welfare system. So, uh, I do have one more loser. Maybe you think it's funny because it's what you did when you were in seventh grade. Making fat jokes with somebody you disagree with sucks. Brian Haydad has worked his ass off and has dropped almost 70 pounds since the 1st of January. And if you don't like something he says on Twitter and your only response is, ha, 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 you're fat, guess what? You suck. And you're a loser. So, whatever. just, Just flat out. Now, was Hey Dad's tweet where he's skipping on the sidewalk a little sophomoric? Yeah, sure it was. Yeah, you know, I'll admit that. I'll admit that. And and your whole like glee about something that's not you know kind of tangentially related to Ole Miss, eh, whatever. You were doing so well. What are we doing here? You're, you're going backwards but, now. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm saying you, it's fine for you to look at Hey Dad and be like, what a jerk. Like, really, you're delighting in somebody else's misery. But to be like, you're fat, so you don't get to have an opinion, you're a loser. That's my opinion. Ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. You you want to be part of the conversation, you are welcome to join in. Um, Any other, let's see, we got a few more on the... A dobro is similar to a swinette. That's two strings stretched across a pig's butt. (laughs) Calm down there, Chief. Forky, did I just have my... uh, You got got to read those uh, those things. Oh, I've had a worse one than that, I think. Okay. No, no. He had his burger moment, though, earlier, or last year. Okay. Um, also, you did. I'm talking to you, Richard. You had your burger moment. You've already had it. I got I your text, hey, Dad. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, I guess it yeah. is. I, I guess so. It's now. It's now fair game. I, it's now fair game. Yeah. I can say it now. We just we just broke the ice on that one. Very exciting. What was that? A particular word that he, last week I you told said, hey, Dad you not said to the say. A word, and he told me I couldn't say it. But then you just said it, so now we can oh, all. Say yeah. It. Well. I don't do that very often. Uh, you know, that's a good point. I will save it for when it's when it's warranted. I won't just use it like salt on a on a on a bag of chips. You know, it would be important when I use it. Um, that's all we got. That's all we got for winners and losers. Losers. <laughs> so, that's it. All right. So, coming up next, uh, Porky, we got to sit on the AP poll, don't we? Sit on that for the I, I think we should because we do have to knock out some teams. Well, let's. Uh, yeah, at some point we do, and uh, we've also got some coach audio for you. <laughs> I've just tapped out. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see what we can get to next year, let's, though, uh, guys. Next year. <laughs> and the the way we went about making our list was was so much better this it was year. Was so great. 
So and I was like, better. 437, guys, 437 every time. Then we can't possibly mess that up. Of course we did. Of yeah, course it was good did. in May and June. It was fantastic in May. It was as good as it gets. All right. Uh, let's hear from Kevin Barbe, first-year offensive coordinator at Mississippi State, leading into the Bulldogs scrimmage on Saturday. We'll do that when we come back with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. You're hearing Sports Talk Mississippi. What? What? This is so awesome. On Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. You can be a part of the conversation on the C Spire text line. I'm not going to lie, guys. I looked frantically to see if we had a Monday night football game tonight. We do not. That would be nice. Yeah, next game comes uh, comes your way on Thursday night with the, uh, the Browns and the Eagles. Isn't there usually one Monday night game during the preseason? Or am I completely making that up? I think you're right, but it, it's next week. Is it week three usually? No, no, it's yeah, week two. Yeah, next week, August twenty first, Monday night, Ravens week. at Commanders. Both one and zero going into that game. Sorry, I couldn't, huge. I couldn't, couldn't resist. <laughs> I couldn't resist. All right, um, Mississippi State had its first scrimmage this weekend. Uh, it was not open to the public. Is that correct? That's correct. Or nor the media. Okay. Uh, have you managed to gather any super secret intel from the uh, b- behind closed doors? I have. There was we we had a mole uh, there on on Saturday night. Yeah. So this is the part you where you tell me out. what you've learned. Oh, I thought I thought you were going to go. I thought we were going into the audio. I'm sorry. Uh, it it kind of went the way you would think it would in that the defense sort of controlled things in the first part of the scrimmage. If you want to call it the first half, uh, so be it. Uh, MSU is doing a lot of experimenting with four-man fronts. You know, Arnett has talked about that a lot uh, this offseason, and it looks like they're going to try to find some some different sets, even to, even to go as far as the 4-3. Uh, maybe go instead of 4-2-5, be 4-3. Which you know, with something Mississippi State hasn't run in, in quite a while, uh, you got to go back to the uh, to when Mullen was here because uh, Shoup was always a three man front guy uh, when he was here. Um, offensively, though, they picked it up in the second half. You saw some big plays, some big throws out of Will Rogers. You you saw a lot. Of, you've seen a lot of improvement this fall. Sorry, Borky. This this preseason camp uh, from Mike Wright to the point where you know I was I was Wait, concerned that. I, I wouldn't go that far, but you maybe confidence and right if, if something happens to Rodgers, which I would not have had. I'll just come out and tell you, coming out of the spring, I would tell you that if Will Rodgers gets injured, that's the end of the season. You know, they'll they'll be happy to go four and eight at that point. They'd be doing well to go four and eight at that point. Now with Wright, it feels like he can at least run this offense. And nothing else, you know, when you bring him onto the field, it's not okay. Key on him. They're running the football. They they should be able to continue to run 
the offense with Mike Wright out there. Um, right. As you might guess, Tulu Griffin, Xavion Thomas, Justin Robinson all had big plays in the passing game. Um, the offensive line did struggle a little bit, but I think State's defensive line is I mean, such a veteran group. And sort of going back to what Arnett talked about with us on Thursday, you know, he talked about, I don't really need to see Buki Watson and Jet Johnson. Those guys didn't play a huge role in the scrimmage. They crummity as well. They got a lot of young guys rep. A guys, a guy that they, that Arnett mentioned on Saturday when we talked to him before the scrimmage. He went out and had a really big scrimmage as defensive end Deontay Anderson. Had uh, some t- a few tackles for loss, a couple sacks. Really looked good. All right, hey, yeah, that's enough. we got to hear from Kevin Barbet, the offensive I mean, coordinator. We're, we're going to have to cut talk, him off. Don't gonna, talk. We're, we're Make gonna, up your mind. We're going to have to cut him off short. Than, you told me it was it's, six minutes. Yeah. we got seven minutes left in the segment. No. Hit play, Borky. We'll do it. We'll do it and then cut it off when we have play to. Play my music. Eager tonight uh, to see the progress that we've made. Uh, from not only just spring ball, summer OTAs, the first seven practices of fall camp, and, and now it's live tackling, right, where some of those plays that you think might have been made, you know, whenever you blow the whistle quick, now we get to see our guys try to break through, run through those tackles and really finish. Um, so tonight our, our emphasis will really be finishing plays and how aggressively and violently are our skill guys, ball carriers, able to finish our plays. I watched uh, Coastal Carolina and the A&M game in its entirety, and there's been this, uh, I don't know, misinformation campaign about your offense, about all these snaps under center, but you really don't do it that often. So how would you kind of address that? I mean, people are like, well, Will Rogers is going to have a bad year because he has to go under center. What is your response? Yeah, I mean, uh, we'll definitely, we'll use, um, you know, under center whenever uh, it plays to our advantage, you know, sometimes in uh, low red or in, in third and short situations. But I tell you, 95% of the offense is, is in the gun. And, um, you know, uh, every year it's a little bit different. You get a little bit more advantage in the run game sometimes in some of those schemes when you're underneath. Um, and sometimes it helps you with play-action shots. But, um, you know, I, yeah, I think that would be a total misconception uh, being that we're going to play under center the whole time because I would tell you 95% of it um, is in the gun. Now. You know, on the flip side of that, where I think a lot of the carryover is, is using the pistol instead of just offset, right? Because pistol formation now allows us to kind of balance up a little bit and really try to keep the defense from knowing, you know, hey, the running back's on the left, the tight end's on the right, we're running over here, right, to the right every time. So um, a little bit of that is always making sure that you're giving defense coordinators different looks. But, um, you know, we're primarily a, a shotgun offense. Speaking of different looks, watching the tight ends, they'll be true blocking tight end. They'll be in the slot. They'll be a split. They'll be H back. They'll be motions. Uh, it's a great versatility to have. How much does it help having two guys like Goody and Spivey who've done this before, but also bringing other guys along? Because that's a lot to ask. Yeah, those guys are, are really, really experienced, man, and very, very smart individuals. Uh, so it's been uh, really good for them, you know, uh, being able to help some of those younger guys that are adjusting to the position some. And, uh, you know, it is. That's the fun part about tight ends, right, is those guys have a different skill set, you know, of half offensive lineman, half big receiver. And creativity-wise, you can do a whole bunch of different things with those guys uh, when, you know, you're asking them to block or you're asking them to run an RPO or spread out and be a flexed receiver. Uh, So to me, that only adds to the the creativity um, and the fun part about offenses is, 
when you throw a bunch of different personnel groups in there, you know, uh, defensively, they got to sub for those tight ends, right? They got to match your personnel. And then you figure out, is your guy a better athlete? We'll put him out there and let's throw the ball to him and make a big guy cover it, you know? The thing, too, though, is with guys like that, you don't even have to sub in and out. You can leave them on the field and defense can't adapt to No doubt. No doubt. And, you know, I think, again, just in general in that room, uh, we're making great progress, um, you know, with the tight ends. And, and again, growing, growing the offense in that, but also not being stubborn to, uh, you know, there's been years where I've, I've played a whole lot of 12 personnel, and there's years where I've only played an 11 or used more 10. It's all about adapting to the strengths of your players uh, that you have each week. Because <laughs> the reality of college football is we each week is a little bit different, you know? And what you might have in week three might be completely different in week 11 or 12, especially in this league. Speaking of personnel groups, notice too, you, you run a lot of the same formation, I mean, excuse me, the same plays with 11 or 12 personnel and there were a couple of situations that I saw where all of a sudden you catch them in a switch and they're adjusting to 12 personnel but you're running the same play you'd run out of 10 personnel I mean how much of that chess match really kind of goes on in the mind of Kevin Barbeck yeah I really my mindset is uh, simple but creative right I try to tell myself don't overthink this keep it simple for the kids where conceptually we're running a lot of the same things right but presentation wise we're in a different personnel group with a shift or a motion. So for the quarterbacks, their progression stays the same. The kids know their landmarks on the concepts of where they need to be. Uh, but from the outside view and a defense coordinator view, right, there's a whole lot of stuff going on and a whole lot of adjustments. And that's where I think you get those personnel matchups as well. You know, when you know, hey, I can get in 12 personnel and I can match up this receiver on this DB, right, that's what I'm looking for in, in each game plan. Uh, but my general philosophy, uh, without being a, a, a real smart guy, is simple yet creative. You know, obviously, you feel like it's benefited you. You're know, going up against Matt Brock's you know defense uh, here in Fall Camp. Yeah, our defense, man, they give you like every look that you possibly can see. Uh, so it's been a real challenge, to be honest with you, because it's not a conventional. We're put installing our offense right in a simplistic. Hey, here's a nice four-two uh, front with cover four. You know, you start kind of uh, advanced in having to handle all the movement and all the different stuff. So I think Coach Brock and the defense, those guys do a phenomenal job. And um, I'm glad I'm on their team is, is all I can say. You got a three-year starter coming back at quarterback. How are some, you know, Mike Wright, Chris Parson, how are those guys coming along as well? Yeah, uh, they're coming along really well. I thought Mike Wright uh, so far in camp uh, has done a nice job of um, – you know, having more accuracy and, and taking easy completions. Obviously, his skill set um, is a lot different because, you know, he is a real threat uh, to score touchdowns with his legs. Um, you know, but he's coming along. You know, uh, Chris Parsons, in the springtime, you guys only got to see him uh, in Skelly and 7-on-7. Seven seven. And now, you know, it's team reps and the bullets are flying. So, you know, he's coming along well. He's a very talented kid that's got a really strong arm. Uh, and he's... Uh, he, he really he tries to learn and he really invests a lot of time in learning from Will and Mike um, and how they're doing things. You know, now he's got to get enough experience and, and reps in team where the game slows down a little bit for him, okay. you know. Um, and that's not uncommon for young quarterbacks, uh, especially when they come into the SEC and the bullets are starting to fly. Right? He's got to let that game kind of slow down for him a little bit. Uh, but I'm pleased. 
That was Kevin Barbet, new offensive coordinator at Mississippi State. We're back with you after this. Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. Back with you on Super Talk Mississippi, Sports Talk Mississippi on this Monday afternoon. We will get to the AP poll, which is out for the uh, college football fix, but uh, we need to pick up and Hold on. catch up. Can, can, can we talk about Barbet for a second? Um, yeah. Sure. Has there been a? I was, I was earlier chastised. I know it's my fault. No, 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 no. But but instead of getting his thoughts on you know Will Rogers and, and learning how at times to take snaps under center and what that looks like and all that, has a single human being on this earth said the phrase? I don't think Will Rogers is going to be good this year because he'll have to take some snaps under center. Has a single human being said that? It's like the guy on Twitter that anytime Steph Curry has a good game that says, Oh, I, I was Steph told. Curry wasn't a good shooter. Like, you're arguing with nobody. Nobody thinks that it, a new offense, but taking snaps physically under center sometimes will not be the good or bad in Will Rogers' this season. I bet he figured that out in a week. Less. There have been, there have been some people that have brought that up as a potential concern that, you know, is not something he doesn't have experience doing. And, and not so much the snap, because you're right. The snap is the easy part, right? But the part of turning your back to the defense to, to carry out a fake, turning your back to the defense to hand off the football, it's stuff he's, he hasn't done in, in any offense. You know, when you're in Leach's offense, there is never a time where the quarterback's back is to the defense. It's always looking forward. So that has been uh, it's been extrapolated from that concern to, you know, he's going to fumble every snap. Yeah, and I I think maybe one of the original people to ask that question, but there was a reason and a way that he asked it was Cole Kublik. And it's like correct. people just picked up on the under center under center because Cole was like, "Hey, what about this whole under center thing? When's the last time you did that?" And Will Rogers was like. Mm-hmm. Maybe never. And he was yeah. asking from the standpoint I, of that's a little bit different because you're taking a snap, you're turning, you're going play action back to the defense. Now you got to turn and and like like I think there was some rationale behind why he was asking the question. Right. Correct. Correct. You, you know what else we asked? We asked Will that. Go, oh, ahead. go ahead. No, please. I said like, we asked Will that when we had him at media days, and he said, "Borky, correct me if I'm wrong." He said, "I think he said it was tenth grade where." They were on their own one-yard line, and they just yeah. wanted to sneak to get the ball out to have a little more room to work with. It was the last time he had taken a snap from center. I asked Cole Smith, state center, we talked to him last week. I said, when's the last time you gave a snap from center? He's like, his was more recent. He, When he was at LSU, his uh, first year of college practicing, they did snaps under center there. So at least he, he has a little bit more experience in this than does uh, young Will Rogers. Yeah, I know it's a long time ago now, but... We probably ran 98% of our offense oh. under center in high school. And that was with a, with a pro-style yeah. offense. We didn't put the shotgun yeah. into like 
game eight or nine of my senior season. We, we ran at almost everything under center, but funnily enough, I don't know if funnily is a word, in junior high, we ran the Notre Dame box, so every funnily. snap was out of the shotgun. Every snap was out of the shotgun. The man said so, funnily. And I was the center. Funnily, is that a word? Funny yeah. enough? I funny don't know. enough. More funny? Yeah. I don't know. I like, I like funnily, to be honest with you. But yeah, like in eighth grade, we were a shotgun-based offense. So, I had a conversation one time with a um, fairly prominent offensive coordinator, a guy who'd been a lot of places, and we were just talking about when a football coach watches a game, they really don't want anybody else around. He's like, I can't tell you how many times I've been sitting in a bar and somebody complains about a play and is like, oh, this bum doesn't know what he's doing. And he just, like, makes up some verbiage and throws it at the guy. And he's like, yeah, I mean, exactly. Okay. Okay. Like, just completely yeah. made it up. And I can't help but wonder if coaches feel the same way when media members start asking about different personnel groupings and, you know, like, hey, hey I, was, I was reviewing some of your film from some of your previous stops, and I see yeah. that you like that, you know, 12 personnel here and 21 here and 22 here and 77 here and 38, 26, 43 here. Uh, what happens? Uh, something. And it's like. That's why I keep my questions pretty generic. Okay. It's okay, like, bud. Yeah. Tell me what else like, you found in your, you your know what film I'm, study. I love for us to do. How your running backs look. That's what I would yeah. And, and they would never have the time for it or, or give us the time, but I would love for us to sit down with, with Kevin Barbet and, and Pete Golding and have them like challenge us to football knowledge. Just hey, this team's running this oh, right gosh. here. Tell me how tell me what call would stop it. <laughs> and just see the difference in uh, what they know versus what hey, we know. I would I would love that. I've played enough Madden. I could I could get through. I'd be okay. Oh man, I couldn't. Oh what, my god, I get embarrassed the, in the best. What's the way. call here, Brian? Four verts yeah. every time. It never changes. It's four I verts. Mean, it could be as simple as, "Hey, what coverage are we in?" You're like, uh, see, there are two safeties Go. up high, so it's like, uh, yeah, it's only three options really. There's only three, so especially in the NFL. I mean, you've heard the NFL play calls. My goodness, how do they ever function? How do they ever run a play? Five o'clock hour coming up next. We will start things out with the college football fix and a look at the uh, AP poll, which came out today. Mm, from the flatlands of Mississippi, Sports Talk Mississippi. Every minute worth waiting for. Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, Sports Talk Mississippi, 5 o'clock hour. Sports Talk brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. Genteel, the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. Don't miss out on the collegiate collection from Genteel. We're now about six weeks from the, uh, no we're not, good grief. We're, we're six weeks from the October 1st games. We're about two and a half weeks away from uh, from kickoff which is still plenty of time for you to order your game day polos or pullovers from Genteel. Small, classy logos on great-looking shirts, solids, simple stripes. You're going to love them. Uh, If you haven't tried one out, just give it a try. And 
see if we're not telling you the truth. I promise you we are. They've also got shirts and pants and some outerwear, swimming trunks, and some savings on some of the summer merchandise as well. 25% off. It's the end-of-season sale at GenteelApparel.com. Genteel, the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. Coming to you from the Pearl River Resort studio, Pearl River Resort, home of the sportsbook at the Golden Moon. Learn more online at PearlRiverResort.com. Hey, Dad, you look like you wouldn't happen to know. I want to ask you something. Okay. You wouldn't happen to know if uh, our friends at Genteel are going to be uh, having shirts with a certain classic logo that's going to be making a reappearance tomorrow, do you? You mean the ones that they started doing a year ago? They have the interlocking? Oh, um, ooh, good question. I thought you were talking about the script state. No, no, the script state, I know Gentile has those. They're fantastic. I have a pullover with that on there. Real quick, I I think the answer to that is yes. Uh, They they won't be online yet. Nothing's going to be unveiled. No, no, oh, they've already the got Mississippi it? State Charcoal Baseball Burr Performance Polo with the interlocking M over S. Oh. Yeah. There you go. that for a while. All right. Very good, very good. In fact, I think we sent one of those to uh, our friend Henry at Farm Bureau. All guests on Sports Talk Mississippi appear on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Mississippi Farm Bureau. What do you say we get to the college football fix? There it is. College football fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built for tough. And don't forget the summer sales event is going on now. At your local Mississippi Ford dealers, test drive a truck or SUV today. All right, AP Top 25 is out. Number one team in the land. QZ what? Anger. Uh, By the way, again, just like the coaches poll, 14 of the 16 SEC teams are in the top 50, essentially. Going into the season, 24% of the top 50 belong to the Southeastern Conference alone. Next year's SEC. Next year's SEC. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Pretty, pretty good league. All right, so here's your AP Top 25. The uh, top five is not exactly the same. AP Top 25, Georgia 1, same as the coaches poll. Michigan 2, same. Ohio State 3, and Ohio State got one first-place vote from an AP voter. Alabama was 3 in the coaches poll. Alabama 4, so just a little flip-flop there in LSU at 5. People thought Ryan Day was going to name his starting quarterback today. They moved a press conference up Monday, new week, a few weeks before the game, all that stuff. Did the opposite. was basically like, I don't know. And if this goes into the season, this goes into the season. Mm. So very different than what was expected from Ryan Day today. Six, seven, eight, and nine are the same. Southern Cal at six, Penn State at seven, Florida State at eight, Clemson at nine. The AP's got Washington at number 10, Texas at 11, and Tennessee at 12. Really high expectations for Penn State. Really high. Mm-hmm. I love the value in Florida State making the college football playoff. Or if you're really getting into it, 
you know, throw 10, 20 bucks down on a future to win the championship. It's not that much money. Bet responsibly at Pearl River Resort, of course. Um, <laughs> but there's great value in that. Because Unless if they don't, you're a football player at Iowa or Iowa State, then just abstain, please. Uh, or anywhere. Or if anywhere. you're a football player or anywhere, anywhere don't do it. Yeah, even high school. You're not old enough anyway. Like, go to Sonic. But, yeah, there, there might be some great value go to Sonic. In, in Florida State there. Uh, you I probably get great odds, and and man, they can. Will they? Probably not, but to bet for a reason. 13, 14, 15, the same in both polls. Notre Dame at 13, Utah at 14, Oregon at 15. Kansas State, reigning Big 12 champs, one spot higher in the AP poll at 16. Just flip-flop with TCU, who's at 17. Then you got Oregon State at 18. In the AP poll, Wisconsin is number 19. Oklahoma's 19 in the coaches' poll. AP poll's got Oklahoma at 20, North Carolina at 21, Ole Miss at 22, exact same spot they were in the coaches' poll. Texas A&M at 23. They were 25th in the other poll. Tulane at uh, 24, which is one spot lower than they were in the coaches. And Iowa. Rounding out the preseason top 25 in the AP. Uh, just outside the top 25, Texas Tech would have been 26. South Carolina would have been 27. Then it's UT, uh, UCLA, UTSA, Arkansas would have been 30. You've got Mississippi State receiving four votes. So that would be... It's, they got 40. they were on one ballot and they were twenty second. So, so they would they would be forty in the AP poll. Yeah. Preseason polls don't matter. You should not get upset by them. Uh, but here's me getting upset by them. But I'm furious. Auburn getting more votes than Mississippi State in the preseason top twenty five is the it's so incredibly stupid. And Auburn might beat State this year. Who knows? Just what we know right now. From what is established and known today, Auburn getting more votes in Mississippi State makes zero sense whatsoever. None. Absolutely none. Like, I get Kentucky. You can explain Kentucky to me. Although states had success against Kentucky in recent years. Not last year, of course, but they've been able to beat them at home. I get Kentucky. Devin Leary's there. Auburn makes no sense at all. Absolutely none. Um, if you care about the FCS coaches poll, South Dakota State is the preseason number one. North Dakota State preseason number two. Furman, Orkies Paladins at number six. Yeah, they should be really good. Uh, Mississippi State's week one opponent, Southeastern Louisiana, checking in at number 15 in the FCS poll. And if you want the, uh, the D2 poll, Ferris State picked number one. Delta State at number 10 in the preseason Division Two coaches poll as well. Those are all the polls that I've got to give you. Nice. There you go. Glad to have yeah. them. Um, there's right. not much difference in the AP poll and the coaches poll. you got a couple of teams that are flip-flopped by one or two spots. Uh, we we kind of went through the coaches poll last week. Is, is there anything, I mean, Ohio State in front of Alabama versus Alabama in front of Ohio State, does that mean anything? No. No, no. It's fun to Are talk people about. too high on Southern Cal? Possibly. 
We've gotten a couple messages, too, about how Ole Miss finished the year last year, so how can they be ranked? Because this isn't a poll of last year's teams. But what I would say is, and this is something, the next national interview I'm going to do, I'm going to ask him about this, is that Ole Miss gets the benefit of the doubt, despite the fact that they lost five of their last six. State finishes nine and four in the top 20 and can't get the benefit of the doubt. You you know where, and history... History tells you otherwise. But in this mm-hmm. case... I know what it is. It's, yeah. it's the lack of continuity at head coach. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's one way to put it. The other way to put it is that Mike Leach passed, Mike away, Leach passed away and he's not here anymore. If Mike, I've, I've said it before, and I, I really do believe it, if Leach were still here and we were talking about Will Rogers and his fourth year in the air raid and all of those pieces were still there, I think State would be where Ole Miss is. In the I, top I agree. They'd be ranked. I think there's another factor, though. I don't think it's just what Mississippi State lost in Mike Leach. Mm. I think it's Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin gets the benefit K- of the Kiffin doubt. Kiffin gets from, the benefit of the doubt. Voters. I agree. I agree. I agree 100%. He, he, he just does. Um, CC and Senatobia says Auburn has a proven winner at head coach. State doesn't yet. What's confusing? Well, what's confusing is the difference in those two rosters. Their roster State's stinks. State's roster they don't have a quarterback. is better than Auburn's roster by a fairly significant amount. Saban at Auburn this year isn't going to be a big winner with that roster. It's just The coach is kind of irrelevant there. Now, you know, long-term, we'll see. I certainly think Freeze is going to bring talent to Auburn. No question about that. Ooh, if they win message. more than they lose, it's one heck of a coaching job from Hugh Freeze. If they go 7-5 and five or better, it's an elite coaching job from Hugh Freeze. That's how bad the roster is. I like this message on the ceasefire text line. Yet I think state will be better on offense this year. Okay, There's a we'll very, see. Really good chance, yeah. It's possible. They were 62nd in total offense last year. They can be better than that. Sports Talk Mississippi back with you after this. Sports Talk Mississippi continues. All right, so, hey, Dan, I think I was confused when you were talking about logos. I don't know how much you can say or how much is public knowledge at this point, but you were not talking about the M over S interlocking baseball Correct. logo. I thought you were. Yeah, I'm talking about the interlocking MSU football logo uh, uh, from the late 90s. The, the one that has been referred out. to as the Nike logo? Yes, which is we found was a farce. and It's been a day for farces here. Uh, yes, we found out that that was, that there, there was a lot of talk that that was owned by Nike. That was never actually the case. Mississippi State has always owned that logo. Um, and they are bringing it back. I think it, it's just as a retro thing, thing this year. They'll probably see their one, maybe two games. But I'm going to make a, a prediction that when Mississippi State sees the popularity of it, that they will, that you'll see it more than, than, than you think. Same thing happened with state script last year. It was supposed to be a one-off. They were going to wear it for this one game, and then that was it. And it was so popular, the next thing you know, you saw it a couple of games, and now it's the identity of the university. Yeah. I don't know if you guys heard it or not. Sid Salter was on with me on Friday morning, and we talked about logos a little bit and just kind of got into that. And he was talking about university branding. And the the banner state logo, the M state banner logo that, that people aren't necessarily in love with. And he said to do 
a university-wide rebrand, which is what some people want, but is not happening, at least not right away, would cost the university over a million dollars. Because yeah. it's not, I mean, it's not just replacing. It's everywhere. Yeah, it's it's letterhead, it's envelopes, it's vehicles, mm-hmm. it's water towers, it's, you know. It's the back of the school signage. Yeah, I mean, it's everywhere. And so. I think. I think what people would would be willing to, to make the, the the sacrifice on, or if that's what you want to call it, is if you want that to remain the official logo of the university, that's fine, but it doesn't need to be on the helmet. Is how I would look at it, and that's that's kind of what they've done this year. Now is the, it the, the banner, banner is down. It's on the state or the banner Mississippi yeah. State. That's the official. Well, the banner Mississippi State. The official logo of the university is the banner Mississippi State, I believe. Okay. But the banner M State is the official logo of the athletic department. Except um, for baseball. So, Sid was telling me about this logo vault that they have. Kind of all the logos that have been used. And he referenced the, the Flying M logo. He referenced the Walking Bulldog logo. I mentioned that because mm-hmm. we just got a um, a message on the ceasefire text line that said, I want the Walking Bulldog back. And you can find that a yeah. few places, but not a lot. And it may be that Mississippi State's just kind of broadening its marketing reach and allowing apparel providers and partners through CLC, I guess, to uh, to use more of the old logos or approving more of the old logos. So, anyway. Um, that's all the logo news I've got. That's <laughs> all I've got. If there's anything else, feel free. Um well, like I said, all this is coming out. As far as I know, you'll start seeing this logo and, and the gear that's going to go with it tomorrow. Okay. There you go. I, I can't decide whether we jump into uh, one of the teams on the countdown or if we hit some of these uh, NFL nuggets that Borky had. It's like it's almost a game just to kind we of push have, it down the line a little farther. We also have Golding and uh, and Weiss, right? We have some we, of that commentary. Do. So. We do. We will, uh, we'll hear from Pete Golding coming up in the uh, the next segment. So So let's do this. Let's um, let's talk a little bit about NFL preseason games from this weekend. Uh, You guys gave a glowing review of the New Orleans Saints, and it feels like everybody did. And there was a lot of, I know it's only one quarter of one preseason game, or it's only one drive of one preseason game, but it's okay to get excited. Uh, There was more good than there was bad for the Saints yesterday in their preseason game. Yeah, and and, and it's largely because quarterback play has been bad the last couple of years, and quarterback play looked um, competent is not a good enough way to describe it. It, it looked good, looked sharp, and, and that and, and that's all they've needed. That's all they needed a year ago. That's the thing. It, it's it, watching that team last year was so frustrating because the roster was better than they played, and and that really came down to poor quarterback play. Defensively, they were good, especially by the end of the year. Uh, you know, they weren't, uh, Michael Thomas wasn't there, but Olave was exceptional despite the poor quarterback play. You, they, they had all the pieces, just it was Andy Dalton. And with all due respect to Dalton, there's a reason that the Panthers signed him, because that's the role that he needs to be in is, you know, breaking case of emergency, he's capable of not being a disaster at this point in his career, and that's about it. So Derek Carr is not Patrick Mahomes or anything close to that, but he's competent, and competent can get you to the playoffs. 
and going to the playoffs post-Drew Brees would be a big accomplishment. It shows that you still have good things going for you absent one of the greatest quarterbacks in the modern era. So it's not just getting to the playoffs out of a weak division, but feeling like you got a puncher's chance when you get there. Yeah, get there, and I mean, maybe right. you hosted at home, you win a wild card game, and then suddenly, you and know, the Saints are the favorite in the division, right? I mean, people we've talked to, yeah. the way we look at it, the way we look at that division, they're the favorite. Uh, they they just are. They're they're better than Atlanta. They're better than Tampa Bay. They're better than Jacksonville. We oh wait, who might know who's the fourth team in that division? It's not Jacksonville. Did you say Carolina? I did not say Carolina. Carolina is what I was okay. trying to come up with. Yeah, yeah Carolina. Obviously, yeah. they're better than the uh, the Panthers. So hey, we'll they're see. better than Jacksonville. You can say that too. Maybe, maybe. All right. So some uh, some nuggets from around the uh, NFL. San Francisco 49ers quarterback Brock Purdy cleared another significant obstacle in his road to. Lost Richard there, but yeah, Brock Purdy. Uh, he's he's oh, going to play. Man. He's going to start. Trey Lance, by the way. Um, lost power, uh, did Richard. Yeah. Uh, w- what a swing and a miss there for um, for San Francisco. Yeah, poor Richard. He's, he's just good. Yeah, he, he just realized that he's, he's out. Yeah, there he is. Uh, yeah, but I mean, of, of swings and misses, though, Borky, that's the best kind, right? You swing and miss, but you had you had the other guy there. You know, one guy strikes out, but the next guy is there, so it works. And Trey Lance, I think, is still attractive to teams as a potential trade target. So they'll they'll get some they'll get a draft pick. You know, they gonna get a first rounder out of him? No, but can they get a fourth, fifth rounder? Sure, sure. Why not? What I can't figure out though, uh, transitioning to a different game, is what mm-hmm. the Titans have done. Uh, the last two drafts at the quarterback position, it's <laughs> it's horrible. I mean, Will, Will Levis, here's the thing. Like Anthony Richardson, for example, you drafted him on upside, but he flashed really good, really often at Florida. He also flashed bad, but you saw moments of brilliance from Anthony Richardson at Florida. I don't mm-hmm. remember seeing moments of brilliance from Will Levis at Kentucky ever. Right. Yeah, he was just, he was good. Don't get me wrong. There, He had moments where he was good. But this is the NFL. You don't get drafted for being good in college, you know. And yet, I, and then at the I, end of the I, game against just... Chicago, it's he had a chance to win the game and mismanage the clock and throw an inaccurate pass, and it's like that's Will Levis. That that's what you drafted. That, that's you know, but MLB. I understand drafting toolsy guys, right? I understand drafting guys because they have a good arm, and you think you can, you know, or they they are they're, they've they, they've shown some power potential. Things like that, but in the in the NFL, where rookies, you know, there is no minor league. There's no I'm going to teach you for four or five years, and then you get your shot at the big time. It's get in there and play, kid. And you do that two years in a row. Yeah, because Malik Willis is still on that roster. Yeah. Yeah. What does it say for 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 Levis that I think Willis is more NFL ready? But I really do. You're not wrong. And I had a somebody asked me last night, you know, what I think about the Titans this year. Just kind of a one-off, like, hey, I'm I'm adopting the Titans. What do you think? And it's like I, I like Mike Vrabel a lot. Like the like the roster defensively, they're they're going to be pretty good. It, it's close. Um, I love Derrick Henry. I love to watch him play. They they, they get DeAndre Hopkins, and, and but my response was, I don't know what your 
front office is doing. I don't know what your team leadership is doing. Because two years in a row, you drafted the clear, for some reason, the, the media darling quarterback that is not good. Like, not ready for this. And they do it two years in a row when you have Tannehill, who's not great, but bizarre drafting on an otherwise well-run and well-coached team. I, I don't understand it. Saw that from uh, from Tennessee yesterday. Justin Fields was the star of the weekend. He had two touchdown yeah, passes that traveled negative yards but they, in the air. But they, but they went positive yards. Yeah, negative yards in the air. Positive yards overall, though. Hey, just look at the box score. That's all you need. Don't 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 read that's, it. That, that's what I, I somebody somebody was saying something that uh, to me, and I was just like, hey, what the box score says is a sixty-yard touchdown pass. If I didn't watch the game, as far as I know, he threw that ball 60 yards on a dime. Uh, we will hear from Pete Golding next. Heard from Kevin Barbet earlier. Pete Golding talks for, for all 17 minutes. We don't have 17 minutes in a segment, so a, a condensed version of the one and only chance to hear from Pete Golding this season, the new defensive coordinator at Ole Miss. That'll be when we come back, and I'll cycle Richard's power and uh, try to get him back uh, as well when we come back in the Pro River Resort studio. Don't go anywhere. Super Talk Mississippi. Introducing to you Sports Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. I don't know what happened, but here we are. The rats. This song is literally called the man trying to silence you. Don't let him have that. Don't let that happen. Stay woke, Richard. Sports Talk Mississippi. If you're looking for a new Ford truck or SUV, wherever you are located, whether you're on the Gulf Coast or in northeast Mississippi or in the Delta or the Pine Belt, give Belk Ford in Oxford a try on Highway 6 West. You can check out their inventory online at BelkFord.net. If you or if you happen to be in Oxford, maybe you're moving a student in or coming in for a football game, just stop by the lot and check out the inventory if you're in the market for a new Ford vehicle they got a great selection of F-150s right now, a couple of expeditions on the lot, and an incredible selection of used vehicles. Plus, Oxford Toyota is just up the hill. A great service department, family-owned company that wants to make you feel like family as well. They will take care of you. Tell them we sent you. Sports Talk Mississippi sent you to see them at Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota. Stop by and see them and uh, let them help you get you in the car or truck that you are looking for, the SUV that you're looking for at um, uh, an interest rate that you can afford, and they'll take care of you after the sale as well. Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota, Highway 6 West in Oxford. Ole Miss had its first scrimmage of the spring, or not of the spring, what are we, of the summer, the fall, camp, Six weeks, now we're back to spring, Richard. I I mean, I I I want to get to the football. I need a calendar in front of me right now. You want me to have um, a calendar made of my of me in various banana hammocks and send that to you? Uh, yes. I'd rather not. Wait, what? Okay. I, I'd, I'd rather not. Um, so Ole Miss had a scrimmage on Saturday, and uh, I guess it was on Friday before the scrimmage we heard from Ole Miss's coordinators on the offensive side of the ball, Charlie Weiss Jr., on the defensive side of the ball for the first time, Pete Golding. Here's what he had to say. 
Obviously excited to see you guys. Um, you know, hadn't been able to talk to you guys since we made the move, but uh, extremely excited about the opportunity uh, that Keith uh, presented and obviously working for Coach Kiffin. Uh, always excited to see new ways, different ways to do things. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of ways in football to win football games. So I've been uh, really impressed with Coach Kiffin, his leadership. Uh, I learned a lot from him this spring. So I'll go ahead and open it up for questions. On y'all's side of the ball is the most kind of turnover, a lot of new faces on that field, 1 through 11. Just what's the challenge just for you as a coordinator trying to get all that to mesh in such a short period of time? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing, having coached Division II, 1 AA and mid-major, uh, very similar to high school, like every year you really don't know what you have. Uh, and instead of trying to, hey, here's the system and try to fit the players to a system, uh, you really try to, okay, what, what do we, who do we have and what can they do? And then let's put them in those situations that they can excel in. So the hardest piece is when you bring in a lot of new guys, especially after spring ball, uh, and then you don't have them in the summer as far as going through everything 11 on 11. Uh, this fall camp is really important to them. Uh, and we got to take this first week, this scrimmage Saturday, to be really big, not just from a personnel standpoint, but more importantly, of all right, what can they do? Uh, and let's make sure what we're asking them to do things that they can do and not put them in situations uh, that they're not ready for. And so I think uh, that's, that's a little tougher than normal because uh, obviously a lot of guys that you even evaluate from a personnel standpoint last year on tape aren't here. And so uh, number one is knowing their skill set, and then number two, their football intelligence of how much can they comprehend and you know, how simple do we need to keep it based on their football intelligence. So it's tough, but that's what Cam's for. Uh, you're seeing him up close and personal every day. Just your initial thoughts. I know it's early of Perkins and what he brings to that position group in his early in his career. Yeah, I mean, obviously I recruited him at the last place as well, and uh, we knew always knew he was a really gifted athlete. You know, I, I had him ranked as the top linebacker in the country. Uh, extremely explosive, um, really fast, got really good top end speed, but his closest piece is really good. And I think it's a struggle for young players that haven't been in a college system, especially early. Uh, transition into being behind the ball, stacking. A lot of his high school tape was off the edge or apex and having to read and diagnose the box. And, you know, their struggle for those guys is as you go through camp, you're installing a defense. It's a lot more than a game plan would be. And so obviously going into week one, you say, hey, here's our four calls that we're working when you're in the game and keep it pretty simple for him. But he's done really well. He loves football. He's a smart kid. Um, he's very engaged. He takes good notes. So I think he has an extremely high ceiling. We're excited about him. Earlier, you briefly mentioned kind of the turnover obviously but um, when you first arrived here with the play defensive players that were here what were your kind of the initial impressions overall of the roster that you initially inherited before other pieces were eventually added yeah I mean I, th I think the big thing is is when you first come into a place like I didn't look at what they can't do you know I, I try to take the guys that we have there are guys and what position can we put those guys that are already on the roster to be able to have success in the SEC West and so I thought there was obviously some talent up front Thought we had some size, thought we had some guys that had the ability to rush the passer. We needed to add more depth to that, uh, which I think we did with the spring portal. Uh, obviously, the back end was a little depleted from a number standpoint. Uh, obviously, we had some guys that, that have skill uh, that missed the spring, uh, which I didn't get to see kind of firsthand yet, and then had them in the summer and fall camp, and a lot of those guys are stepping up. So, um, you know, you take what you got, and you got to do the best you can with what you got, but we had guys on the current roster that are going to be able to help us win and play winning football. Appreciate the time today, Pete. Yes, sir. Um, I guess when a Pete Golding defense is playing really well, to the extent that you can, I mean, what what are on on a micro level, what is happening that's allowing that to be the case? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the biggest thing in playing defense is number one, you got to be able to play fast. 
Uh, you know, so like kind of our motto on defense is fast, smart, and physical. Uh, and it's in that order because I don't care how physical you are. If you're not smart enough to be in the right place, it doesn't matter. And then I don't care how smart you are. If you're in the right place, you're not fast enough to tackle the guy with the ball, it doesn't matter. You know, so number one, you got to get speed at all positions because, I mean, th this, this is a, a game in space now. You know what I'm saying? And they're using the horizontal width of the field. So you got to get guys that can run. Uh, and then guys that can process because, you know, the difference between the college game and the NFL game is there's not unbalanced in the NFL. There's not formation into the boundary in the NFL. Very few teams are going tempo in the NFL. So you combine all those things and that can be a one play, you know. So, you know, when guys are coming from high school and all those things and they're not used to seeing that at the speed it is. And it's very easy to say, hey, let's keep it simple, which we're going to try to do. And then every time they line up in this, they know exactly what you're in. And they got coaches, too, and they got good players, too. So it's not always about having the chalk last, but it's them in the skies that make the same things look different and different things look the same so your guys can still play fast. And I think the big thing for us is not of a lot of our calls, all right, but just a few calls that we can line up, play assignment football, and be able to play fast. Yeah, I know you can't mention specific recruits, but it, Alabama, you are obviously very successful recruiting, you know, talented Mississippi players on defense, you know, like Brandon Turner, Byron Young, Jaheim Otis, and all that. I know you have Mississippi ties yourself, but what kind of stands out just about, you know, some of these recruits in the state of Mississippi? And just what do you feel like just kind of separates them apart? Yeah, I, I think number one, to be honest with you, is the mentality. Um, I think, uh, you know, I'm a coach in Texas and recruited Texas and things like that. They're starting a real program so much earlier, right? And their facilities and the amount of staff and the resources that they have, a lot of those guys end up, you know, reaching their ceiling earlier. And then you got some of these guys in rural Mississippi at certain programs that don't have a lot of staff, that don't have great weight programs, not because they're not good coaches, they just don't have the resources to do it. And when you get those guys with a high ceiling that aren't there yet, like they improve very quickly. And, you know, I've always appreciated just South football, but Mississippi in general, because I think a lot of times you get a really raw athlete that loves football, and it's also appreciative. I, I think it goes a long way, that five-star syndrome, when they show up to this place, they appreciate the team room. They appreciate the gear they get. They appreciate the opportunity to play in the SEC, and they feel like they've got to earn it and keep it instead of it's given to them. And I think that mentality goes a long way, and I think it carries over to defense. You know, that spot the ball mentality, put the ball down, we're going to play. I don't care if it's the parking lot, the playoffs, it, don't, it doesn't matter. It's just who we are, and I think a lot of guys, that's ingrained to them at an early age in this state. That was Pete Golding, defensive coordinator at Ole Miss, obviously at Alabama until this past season, and uh, going to be uh, his first calling the defense for uh, for Ole Miss. I, I think there's reason for Ole Miss fans to be excited about Pete Golding being in charge of this defense. I will be interested to see what the results look like on the field. Um, Wouldn't be surprised if it's not, you know, good right away. It just there's there's such new in so many spots and the system itself is new that you know there, there's a chance that they're much better in week 12 than they are in week two you know with, with how much new is on that defense and the system itself and you know it's not a secret to anybody but Pete Golding's system is a lot more complex than the one that those players were previously running and, and the learning curve can come with that. A lot of players that they're going to depend on didn't even go through spring with the team. So because there's so much new, it might not be perfect right away. You know, one of the things that stood out to me from my meeting with Pete back in the spring, leading into the Ole Miss spring game, and 
probably should have thought about this before, but I don't think it's something that we think about on the defensive side. He talk about talks about identifying his playmakers on defense. So right, that that's an offensive philosophy, and and that's something that Lane Kiffin's gotten a lot of credit for. Okay, who who's your best player on the offensive side? Now you scheme to get the ball in his hand. Pete talked to us, Chris Doring and me, in, in that meeting about doing the exact same thing on the defensive side. Who's your best player on defense? How do you scheme in a way for that person or those players to be able to make plays? So, I mean, you would be asking a ton of Centurion Perkins as a, a true freshman, but let, let's just say that he's your best player on the defensive side. How do you scheme things where you get him in a spot to be able to make plays? Or if it's a, you know one of those hybrid you know, linebacker safety players to, to go make plays in the open field. That struck me as a fascinating concept and, and one that I hadn't really thought about before, but something that he's trying to do. And that may be more important this year than at any point in the future for Pete Golden coaching defense, given some of the limitations they've got on the roster. Back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Are you ready? On the Super Talk app, supertalk.fm, and always on your local Super Talk Mississippi station. Saturday afternoon. An agreement between the NCAA and Michigan football head coach Jim Harbaugh concerning penalties stemming from what the NCAA deemed to be false statement statements that Harbaugh made to investigators has broken down. Remember a couple of weeks ago when everybody basically just reported it as fact that Jim Harbaugh was going to miss the first four games of the season in a negotiated settlement? And we made jokes about, well, is that really a penalty? It's hot in September. Those are four games that Michigan should win with no problem, et cetera, et cetera. But um, not so apparently. Harbaugh and the NCAA had come to a tentative resolution that would see the coach serve a four-game suspension to begin the 2023 season, but it still needed to be approved by the Committee on Infractions. And most thought that that was a formality, uh, but that is not the case. The the Committee on Infractions did not agree to the four-game suspension. And so now they will go back and try to negotiate, and if they can't come to a resolution, then there will be a hearing in front of the Committee on Infractions, and they will hand down a penalty. And if there's a hearing in front of the Committee on Infractions, then you can appeal the results. And it's been long enough since we've done this that I don't remember all the 30, 60, 90-day windows and time to respond and written responses and oral responses and meetings and all of those things. Jim Harbaugh might not be missing any games this year. Is is that... This story not the most NCAA thing ever. These are the people that run college sports. So the yeah. NCAA reaches an agreement. A statement with the word cheeseburger right. in it. I mean, my goodness. The NCAA reaches an agreement with Jim Harbaugh 
on a punishment. The NCAA also disagrees with that agreement and and stops the agreement. The same organization, it's like the same person with two different hands. The left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. The same organization came to that agreement and also said, no, we don't agree with that agreement. It's ridiculous. All right, so here was the statement from the NCAA's Derek Crawford, Vice President for Hearing Operations. The Michigan infractions case is related to impermissible on- and off-campus recruiting during the COVID-19 dead period and impermissible coaching activities, not a cheeseburger. It is not uncommon for the Committee on Infractions to seek clarification on key facts prior to accepting. If the involved parties cannot resolve a case through the negotiated resolution process, it may proceed to a hearing, but the committee believes cooperation is the best avenue to quickly resolve issues. That's uh, that's the statement. I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but Tom Mars, remember him? Thomas Mars, yeah. the attorney? Who could uh, forget him? He, uh, he put a statement out as well that said, paraphrasing here, the NCAA is very clear in its bylaws that University of Michigan, Jim Harbaugh, anybody representing him can't say anything about the case. And yet they come out and they make a public statement specifically about the case. I mean, it's a valid point that he makes. Ah, me. That um, That is very on brand for the NCAA. Very on brand. Borky Will Jim Harbaugh miss show? a game this year? No. no. Maybe it next year, but not this year? Time. Maybe next year. Maybe. So. Yeah. Borky, um, I just read the uh, transcript for, for Zach Arnett's press conference that he just had. Uh, make sure we get the full audio. Play the whole thing, because his last quote is incredible. It's hilarious. Can, can, can you give us a little tease? Yeah, tease it. Uh it, re- it refers to MSU's new punter who comes from the land down under. Oh, okay. Yes. Zach Arnett. It's, it's, it's and, a funny uh, quote. And special team. Sports Talk Mississippi brought to you in part by M-Trade Park. You can find them online at mtradepark.com if you're getting ready to schedule the fall seasons, whether it's for softball or fa- uh, I'm sorry, baseball or fast pitch or soccer. They've got events that are coming up. Go to mtradepark.com and check on the full schedule of events so that you can be sure that your team is there. The baseball and softball fields, 14 fields, um, synthetic playing surfaces, so rain is never an issue, natural grass outfields, soccer fields are in absolutely pristine condition as we roll toward the fall. If you're going to play, play M-Trade, mtradepark.com. Thanks for being with us on this Monday afternoon. For Michael Borkey and Brian Haydad in the Pearl River Resort Studio, I'm Richard Cross. Have a great Monday night. We'll talk to you tomorrow.
Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.